What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 190 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, is deep into the night here on Monday into Tuesday morning Eastern Time. And joining me on this less enjoyable episode of the podcast, Scott Coleman is here. Hey, man. This is, uh, this is how much we love you guys, because we wouldn't do this podcast if it was just us rambling. In, maybe we would, but us rambling into microphones for an hour every week. But um, Brad, poor Brad, has been going for about 18 hours straight. And uh, <laughs> today's game was, we were hoping this would be a celebration pod and not a uh, what the hell just happened pod. But alas, here we are and uh, we'll do our best. Yeah, I've reached a delirious point, so I cannot be held account- accountable for mistakes that I make over the next hour or so. Because, yeah, I had to work and then Braves and then a Hawks game. People got really mad at me that I was tweeting about the Hawks tonight. I was like, guys, I'm out of the game. I have to cover the game. It's part of my job. Um, so I didn't really enjoy that either. But, hey, here we are. And uh, obviously people know this, but a 5-4 victory for the Cardinals, 5-4 loss for the Braves. And we're going to game five on Wednesday. Um Worth noting that um, the Nationals pulled off the upset, or at least the minor upset tonight, um, behind Max Scherzer, because their number one starter on three days rest pitched really well tonight. Does that sound familiar to you? Uh, no, it doesn't. No, actually. it does not. No, it does not. Um, <laughs> but and we'll leave that. We'll come back to that. But uh, yeah, so that game, th- that game was also going to be happening on Wednesday night. So now the Braves play at 5:02 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday. Wonderful. Bad for Scott. Um, probably That's good for terrible. me, even though the Hawks also play again on Wednesday. <laughs> um, yeah. Alas, that's the, la- that's the that's the least of our worries at this point in time. So let's just talk about what happened here. <sighs> I don't know. I have no order here. For- first things first. We discussed you, Eric, and I on a last podcast what we what we thought about the starting pitching matchup in this game and the decision. We didn't know at the time that it was going to be Keiko. We all sort of lean in that direction. Um, it was Keuchel. Uh, Keuchel did not pitch well, and that that isn't a terrible surprise to me. You know, he you know it's worth pointing out that Keuchel didn't lose them this game because the Braves were winning after Keuchel left, so it wasn't as if he put them in a position where they couldn't win. But top line thoughts. There's plenty to get to on this podcast, but um, you know what you see from him, and I mean it's it's kind of hard to ask if you would do it over again because you know I like to I like to whenever possible be process oriented. And, you know, I argue that they should start Keuchel. So I, I can't go back and say that I would be doing it differently now. Um, but do you feel any differently based on what we talked about two nights ago versus now? Because, you know, I think that's all. I think it, it would be allowed based on how he looked. But who knows? Yeah, I mean, I think we were all you, you, Eric and I were all kind of in agreement that it at least we would have gone with Keuchel. But knowing that it was very possible that he would not be sharp. He, you know, the, the results weren't terrible in game one, but he was kind of working his way out of traffic jams all game. Of course, uh, today's start was about as bad as you can get with uh, a couple of gopher balls to Ozuna and Goldschmidt that were absolutely crushed. Um, so yeah, it wasn't great. I was surprised. They, I mean, I don't even know if surprise is the right word because you just knew that Snit was going to leave him in one batter too long. And ultimately it, he did and came back to sting him a bit. Um, but you know, it was, I guess it was kind of what was to be expected. I don't want to sit here and act like we were all yelling and hollering for, for Julio to start or for Tomlin to start. Um, that, that was kind of the choice that seemed the most likely going last night after the big comeback win. And, um, as you said, you, you can't really do it over. That wasn't like there was an obvious other choice that they, they should have gone with. Um, especially the way they've had to use Max Fried out of the bullpen because of the injury to Chris Martin. So, um, you know, I mean, I guess uh, to your point, I guess Keuchel didn't absolutely kill them and give up like eight runs in an inning or something like that, but, um, he wasn't great. I was hoping he'd be a little better and, um, it did put the Braves in a bit of a hole early on. Yeah. The one thing, and I think we didn't talk about this enough, honestly, that's, that's on me the other night is that, um, the argument that I think is the most persuasive against going back to Keuchel was actually one that we couldn't make two nights ago. And it would have been not using Max Fried that way um and maybe keeping him ready to go for today um because you know Tehran I understand he was put in a position that was not exactly easy to succeed in today tonight uh, I guess this afternoon he didn't pitch well there I you know it seems to me and again this is not like something that Snicker's going to say publicly it appears to me that the Braves have very little trust in Julio Tehran <laughs> um based on the way that they 
used him or didn't use him in this series to this point. They basically waited till they absolutely had to use him and then used him then. I don't think they really have much trust in Julio based on that. Um, no, so zero. I, I think Keuchel was going to be the option all the way based on the fact that they did, did not want to use Tehran in this game. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. What, what do you think about that? No, and I mean, not to go too far down the game, you know, we'll go, unfortunately, we'll go in by later yeah. innings. Um, you know, Julio was obviously the losing pitcher. And as soon as, I mean, you you don't have to have watched the Braves for the last three or four years. That As soon as they brought Julio in, cold out of the bullpen in a role that the, he's not familiar with to face Colton Wong, Paul Goldschmidt, and Marcelo Zuna, basically the two guys who have done all of the damage in this series for St. Louis. You just knew it wouldn't go well, and after two pitches, it was already going poorly. Um, so I don't want to turn this into the Julio Tehran bash podcast. I mean, it wasn't his fault they used him the way they did today. Obviously, he we, we wish there would have been better results, but he was put in a bad situation. I will argue that uh, maybe he shouldn't have been put in that situation in the first place, but alas, uh, it's kind of water under the bridge at this point. Yep, um, I know I argued, and I think uh, you did at some point as well, that I didn't love the strategy of having Mike Soroka, the team's best pitcher, pitch once in the series, and now that's coming back a little bit. But alas. Um, all right, let's 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 go top to bottom here, you know, to some degree. We discussed Keiko a second ago, but it really happened uh, early and often here. He did um, get two quick outs in the first inning, but then it was back-to-back homers. Um, and uh, I'm going to shout out Steven over at um, B Outliers on Twitter. Uh, he referenced the fact that Keiko gave up more runs in four pitches than Fulte and Soroka did in 14 Ooh. innings. That's a fun one. <laughs> uh, which yeah. is, you know, it's, it's there's some cherry picking in there, but um, back-to-back homers, you know, again, the Braves did come back and take the lead in this game, but it felt like you got hit with a ton of bricks, um, honestly, when that happened, um, just because it was so early, and it was like, oh, here we go. Um, yeah. And, you know, I guess to credit Keuchel, he didn't let it get out of control, but that did happen, and it was like, all right, well, it's going to be one of those kind of days, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it was, as you said, it was really about as bad of a start. To his credit, he did settle in. Second inning wasn't too bad. Third inning wasn't terrible. Um, and again, you just kind of felt like he was going to be left in one batter too many. And of course, he did give up another homer uh, that, to put St. Louis up three to one. Um, again, you know, it, it wasn't the worst start of his life, or, you know, I guess you could do a lot worse, but um, he was not sharp. And that was pretty evident from the early going. Yeah, so let's go to the offense for a second. You know, basically nothing doing in the first two innings for the Braves' offense. There was a two-out walk by Matt Joyce in the second inning. There was a um, double play by Freeman in the first inning, and we'll come back to Freeman, I promise. Um, but the third Ooh. inning was the first decision. I guess you want to say that it was a decision that was made, and that was uh, Dansby leads off with a single in the third, and Keuchel stays in. He bunts, but strikes out on said bunt. Um, then Acuna singles Dansby over to third, and uh, that's how the Braves score their first run is when Ozzy Albies uh, has a sack fly to get it to 2-1, um, and then Freddie Freeman strikes out for his second consecutive uh, damaging at bat early on. Um, I didn't, this is not like a huge decision, I don't think, but what did you make for, what did you make of Keuchel hitting for himself? I know people were like, what do you mean? It's the third inning, and I'm thinking, well, have you, a, have you watched him pitch so far in this game? And B, it's a playoff game. You don't treat – I know that Keuchel is obviously not going to get pinch hit for in the third inning of a regular game. But in the playoff game, when he's on three days rest and you have Julio Tehran available, presumably, um, or Josh Tomlin available, presumably, I would have at least thought about hitting for Keuchel there. I, I know it felt worse because he, he didn't actually get the bunt down. But did you think at all that he might have been a pinch hit candidate there? Or was it bunt okay for you? Um, I mean, I, I thought in the moment that they might pull him, but at the same time, it was the third inning. If you pull your starter in the third inning, you're basically guaranteeing that you're going to have to need a bench player of some kind every two or three innings for, a, you know, and at least in a pinch hit role. Um, so I mean, it wasn't like in like the worst decision of his career, right? To not, to not pull Keuchel, it sucks that he wasn't able to get the bunt down. That hurt. Um, but I, I guess if he would have, Pulled Keuchel back. I guess at that point you're probably using uh, Rafael Ortega as your pinch hitter. I'm not sure the the trade off there is all that worth it. Yep. Um, and and because Keuchel had only thrown two innings, maybe Snit was trying to squeeze. It did seem like 
um, again, jumping down innings. But because Max Freed was used as a pinch runner, you kind of got the sense that they were not going to go to Freed no matter what today. It, I, th- um, I think Snit said that, by the way. I think Snit, I mean, that was very clear by the pinch run, I think. But I think yeah. Snit even said it even clearer after the game that Freed was not available. And listen, you, sure. can't, you can't ask him to pitch four, four times in five days. He's a starting pitcher. You just can't oh. ask him. Yeah, and, and even Melanson, who it does, has been a reliever for 10 years now, is not used to pitching four times in five days. So, uh, yeah, it was knowing that he had a little bit of a limited bullpen and a couple guys, again, Julio, who wasn't necessarily a known commodity in the bullpen by any means. Um, yeah, I, I guess it wasn't a shock that they, they didn't pinch it for Keuchel. Probably could have gone either way. Yeah, I, again, I, I was fine with that, but that was the first decision that actually happened, if you want to call it that. I would have been okay if he hit for him. I was okay. It actually kind of made it easier that he was able to bunt. Obviously, it didn't go well, the bunt itself. But, you know, weirdly getting a guy on made it easier to not pinch hit for him, which is funny to say out loud. But that's what happened. Yeah, um, yeah. So they get a run there. Um, probably should have, you know, felt like they probably could have done a little bit more damage. That's the story of the night, honestly, in a lot of ways, is they didn't they didn't do as much damage as they probably could have. But they got one back, and it's suddenly, you know, some optimism there. They stay with Keiko in the third, as they should, after he didn't hit for, if he, after he wasn't pinch hit for. It gets through the third, and at that point, you know, probably seen enough of Keuchel, but we'll come back to that. Um, offensively, in the fourth inning, down, down 2-1, there really wasn't anything happening. You know, Donaldson walks, and Marquette sits in, it's, it's into a double play, the second one of the first four innings for the Braves. And then, you know, almost immediately after that, Keuchel gives up a home run, and suddenly back to, back to a two-run deficit. Um, he faced Carpenter after that, which I guess makes some sense because Carpenter's left-handed, um, and that was going to be it for that after he walked him. Um, you know, that's when it's a situation where you have to take him out, and they did. Clearly, two batters too late, and I think that was not real, that's not really revisionist. I was surprised that he let him face Ozuna, um, but there you go. Um, the weird thing for me, anyway, was that they double-switched in the fourth inning. Um, that was a strange one in my opinion, tactically. Um, I know that yeah. Adam Duvall's been great in the series, but if you're going to double switch in the fourth inning, why don't you just start Adam Duvall? Like, that's kind of where I land on this thing. But they, they, they bring in Luke Jackson, and you presume that Luke's not going to go deep because he's not going to go deep. But I just mm-hmm. thought that was a little bit interesting in that you didn't need a double switch. I know Snicker loves double switching, but it just felt weird. Yeah, I was I was a little confused, and of course, I think it was Mark Bowman who first tweeted that Markakis was coming out, and I think everybody had a panic attack, like, what? They they actually pulled Markakis, and of course, it wasn't. It was it was uh, Joyce, who has not been great either. Like, let's no, be clear about that. Um, Joyce has, has struggled all the left-handed batters. That's that's the reason this series is going to five games. It's because the Braves' left-handed hitters have been uh, terrible, honestly. Um, yes. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I was a little surprised. I know Duvall's played well. It ended up kind of paying dividend a little bit later. Um, I, you know, I, who knows what intel they had or if it was just Snit being Snit and trying to save himself uh, the need to, to pinch it for, for Luke Jackson the next inning. Um, but, yeah, I was I was a little surprised. Yeah, I tend toward it not being a huge deal, but because we're doing the what we do on this podcast and going the entire way, that was just a bizarre decision, in my opinion. Uh, Jackson does navigate the fourth the rest of the way. He, he, he walks Tommy Edmond, um, but strikes out, um, DeYoung and Hudson on cue, which is good. Uh, the fifth inning was the positive one <laughs> for the Braves. Um, <laughs> Finally. Dansby, Dansby doubles, um, in fortunate fashion. It hits the bag and goes into left field. That was some Cardinals voodoo, um, in yeah. a negative way, I guess. Well, Must be nice. Yeah. yeah. For <laughs> they did it. They did They've done it about 10 times in the series, but, uh, Dansby found the bag, goes into yeah. left field. Then, then you get a pass ball from Yachty, which you just hate to see that. Um, Very tough. And then uh, Duvall reaches on an error, which is interesting. That was originally ruled a hit and then changed to an error. He hit it hard. It probably should have been an error, though, and it was. Um, to 3-2, to two, and then Acuna flies out. Um, the only time that he was retiring the entire game, by the way. And then Ozzy bombs. It's the biggest swing. Everybody's you know jumping for joy, as they should be. And suddenly the Braves, in a hurry, go from down 3-1 up 4-3. And you're feeling good, so let's stop right there. What's your what's your thought process slash feeling? Um, you know, at the end of the top of the fifth inning, knowing that it's four three, but you're going to the bullpen um, even deeper. You're already on your you know at least second or third pitcher at this point in time, depending on what you wanted to do there. Where are you at in terms of your optimism level at four three? 
Mm. You know, I was watching, uh, I wasn't able to, I was kind of watching on the fly today in a couple different spots. And I told to somebody I was watching uh, during the fifth inning and I said, you know, four runs is not going to be enough. And it, it obviously ended up not being not. enough. So, um, you know, it was great to finally get to one of their starters. Uh, there hadn't been a lot of success. We, we talked about um, the issues of, of uh, uh, Dakota Hudson. Uh, Dakota Hudson? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's been a long day. And uh, yes, it just, he's, he's not been great this year. And early on, the, the Braves really weren't able to get much of anything. So it was nice to finally get something going. In the back of my mind, though, you have this feeling that if knowing how the bullpen has been, and it was only the fifth inning. Um, speaking of which, I thought today's game took forever. Like, it was the fourth inning, and I felt like it was the eighth inning. I don't know if anybody else felt that way or it you was, felt that way. It was glacial. I mean, I was in a weird spot, too, where – I'm in a basketball arena uh, covering a basketball game, and I did get to watch, I would say, you know, there were 313 pitches in the Braves game. I think I probably saw 300 of them. Um, I missed it at batter yeah. two. But, yeah, I mean, it was not, you know, we, we've commented multiple times, you and I have in the last couple of days, about how fast a couple of those games were moving. They were almost regular, regular season pace. Today did not feel that way. Um, and no, by the way, just the, the final the final tally, the Braves used seven pitchers and the Cardinals used eight pitchers. So 15 pitchers. Yeah. yeah. With a lot of in, you know, middle inning or, you know, guy, guy comes in, gets one out, you pull him. And then another guy comes in, gives up a hit and a walk and you pull him. So it was a, a slow game. But to get back to it. Um, yeah. You know, it was, it was good to see Ozzy kind of come to life a little bit. He's been pretty good, especially since the, ser- the series has shifted to St. Louis. Um, I didn't think his ball was getting out. Um, I guess it'd be a conversation for another day that if baseball really went in and changed the balls after juicing them all season long to different ones in the postseason because it's pretty clear the ball has not carried like it did during the regular season. Um, but to take that 4-3 lead in the fifth was was nice, and um, and you just kind of had to hope that they would keep adding on. Yeah, I was surprised it got out too. I mean, not not deathly surprised, but you know, it was not off the bat like a no doubter that, in my opinion. Um, but it no, I, I thought they was gonna go warning. I mean, all the balls in this series. I was at gonna least say the we're kind of predisposed. Least, based, yeah, based at least the week. Braves have all just died at the warning track for whatever reason. So there yeah. have been several of those uh, in this series. Okay, so it's four three at the end of the top of the first. Sorry, top of the fifth. Um, I was surprised, and maybe you weren't. But I was surprised that Luke Jackson stayed in this game at that point in time. Now, you know, just based on matchups more than anything, like basically, you know, it's top, it's top of the order. And I was just surprised that it was Luke Jackson there. Um, you know, it didn't, it didn't actively hurt them. So this is not revisionist. I just felt like it was surprising at the time. But maybe mm-hmm. it was, that was just me. They got, they got to, uh, they got to Darren O'Day. Later in the inning, but I just couldn't believe that he faced Goldschmidt more than anything. Like, it surprised me that he stayed in, but then once once you get through Colton Wong, who I guess Jackson has a you know a better chance to get out than O'Day because he's mm-hmm. o- O'Day is a rookie clearly, and Jackson has some out pitches against left-handed bats. But leaving in leaving him in to face Goldschmidt was uh, a choice. Yeah, I'm, my only guess is that Snit was trying to ride Luke Jackson as long as he could, just knowing he had already gone through. You know, his starter didn't go deep, and, and it, again, knowing that Freed wasn't available um, was my only guess, but ultimately you, you can't necessarily manage like that. You have to manage like every, you know, every bat's important at this time of the year. Yeah, and uh, I guess, you know, fortunately he got by without uh, without damage there. Um, let's keep going. We have a break to get to soon, but um, I, I, I'm going to stop in a, I'm going to stop in one certain spot, I think. So, sixth inning. You know, sixth and seventh inning, we kind of grouped together because nothing really happened except for, you know, the seventh was maddening on Atlanta's offensive side. So they put a, they put a man on base in the sixth with Marqueca singling. Um, Max Freed was as a pitch runner, which we, which we alluded to earlier. But, um, you know, Dansby walked to, to, to load the bases in the sixth. Uh, Adam Duvall strikes out, though. You know, Adam Duvall was due for one. I, I tweeted that right after the fact. You can't really get mad at Adam Duvall <laughs> right no. now. Based no, on and the he faced some nasty sliders, too. Yeah, so, I mean, that's frustrating. Um, for me, anyway, it was not nearly as maddening as the seventh was, um, or clearly later in the game, um, which we'll talk about in the ninth inning. Um, 
but in between six and seven, Sean Newcomb comes in, and I think honestly, it may maybe it was just where I was, but that's the thing that I think was discussed the least is like Newcomb just came in, mowed down one two three, and it was like a blip on the radar that no one even noticed. Like he just pitched an inning and was good. Like Tomlin got a lot of attention and should have. Tomlin was great in the seventh inning, um, getting a one two or three. I guess it was probably more surprising in some ways, but. Newcomb just kind of just did his job and got out of the way. It was just kind of bizarre. Yeah, me. no. No, I mean, again, as, as weird as this game was, there were moments of normalcy in it, right? I mean, again, Newcomb throws well, Tomlin throws well. He had a couple of clean innings, but um, this was, of course, just before kind of the chaos broke out. Yeah. Um, real quick, real quick before we get to the actual chaos in the eighth. Um, the seventh inning, Raul Nacuna leads off with a triple. A triple. And does not score. Does not score. So any any seasoned Braves fan certainly had to know <laughs> at, that, at that moment that it was probably sure. going to come back to haunt them. In some certainly sort of this way. would come back to cost them a playoff series. I mean, we all talked about it at the time. I mean, even when it happened in the seventh inning, there, was, there were plenty of tweets sent like, okay, let's just hope that doesn't come back and bite them, knowing full well that that's the kind of thing that comes back and bites teams. But Absolutely. Leadoff triple. Um, Ozzy grounds out and that doesn't, doesn't get him in. And then, you know, Freddie Freeman, who we're going to talk about later, even more, but, um, a strikeout at a bad time again. Um, you know, yeah. And then a, a pair of walks to load the bases and a fly out. So, you know, it wasn't like there was just one moment, but you know, Ozzy not getting him in is unfortunate. And then Freddie striking out is doubly unfortunate. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really have analysis there. It's just more no. of a, if you get a leadoff triple and don't score a run in a playoff game, in a close playoff game, that's usually a, a pretty massive red flag. Yeah, I mean, truly, I, I tweeted it out. I mean, the Braves, I never want to say a team deserves to lose a game for one you know, one or two happenings, but they did. I mean, you could just tell. You watch them load the bases in the sixth, waste a leadoff triple in the seventh, and then a couple other opportunities uh, later on. You you could just see it coming. You watch the Braves long enough, you know how these things go. The fact that they couldn't hit a single fly ball is a killer. Um, you know, again, Ozzy I think kind of gets a pass. He, he you know put the ball in play and it was just right at the second baseman, so there wasn't anything he could really do. Um, but Freddie striking out there is is just it's a real killer. Um, yeah, it's just you could kind of see the train coming down the tracks, and ultimately we know how that train ended up when it ran out of track. Everybody made the joke, um, but um, quickly fast uh, fast forwarding to the tenth inning when the entire top of the tenth was three straight flyouts, and everybody yeah. said, "Well, where where was that in the seventh or, or the ninth? Never um, fails." Yeah, alas. All right, let's let's take a break. We uh, we've reached the point of demarcation, and that's the eighth inning. So before we get to that, hold on one second, hear from the sponsors, and we'll come right back and uh, finish off the game and talk about the future and all that stuff. So hold on. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, Scott. Uh, time, time, to, time to batten down the hatches a little bit, I suppose, on the podcast. Um, eighth inning. Top of the eighth. Brisk in a bad way because... Uh, Three straight strikeouts against uh, Helsley for the Cardinals, who just looked disgusting in, the, in that brief uh, run. You know, I will cop to not knowing a ton about him in general. But uh, and by the way, his numbers this season were not that great. But man, he looked good in that inning. Yeah, he. he I mean, that was impressive. Yeah, it was kind of one of those like you have no chance innings. Um, so 
you know, if you want to give anybody a pass for anything offensively in this game, I will allow um, some passes for those three strikeouts because he looked great. Um, Tomlin come, Tomlin stays in, gets a fourth out. By the way, four outs for Josh Tomlin on ten pitches. Yeah, he was awesome. Uh, shouts to Josh Tomlin, who I don't have a ton of faith in, I, I'll be honest with you, but man, he was awesome in this game, so that was important. Uh, Shane Green comes in, and then all, all hell breaks loose. Um, and before we even start here, I understand the um, the lean to pile on Shane Green, and there was some of that. I was generally okay with people, with the way he was you know, handled on Twitter. I think most people understood what what happened here, but there was also the side of the fan base that's like, you know, screw you, they should have left Tomlin in. Before we get to what happened with Shane Green, I was totally fine bringing in Shane Green. Like, totally. Even now, yeah, I'd do it again. Like, that's uh, just... Tomlin got you four outs. That's a great job from him. Shane Green is better than Josh Tomlin. Yeah. So And, and obviously, people listening to this know what happened. It wasn't like Green gave up a couple of rocket doubles yeah. off the center field wall. I mean, that's what I mean. Like, even taking into account, we know what happened. We'll talk about it in a second. But you know, no one before t- no one before the game today was was coming out and saying that Josh Tomlin's better than Shane Green, and that's who he wants to pitch. Like no mm-hmm. one's saying that. I understand Tomlin looked good. I I totally understand that too. But revisionism is is a is a cruel thing. Um, you know, Green. I guess we'll talk about it now. A broken bat double by Paul Goldschmidt. At 69.7 miles per hour, which is incredibly low for a uh, a batted ball in the major leagues. That was brutal. He strikes out Ozuna, who had been the killer in this game. And then Yadier Molina, that man, flares a single just over the outstretched arm of Freddie Freeman at first base. And by the way, people were, you know, because Freddie was terrible in this game, people were piling on about, how he should, you know, I can't tell you that Freddie should have made that play. So, like, I'm going to relax on that. He jumped too early. But that's not like an easy play by any means. No, we we can pile no. on we, we 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 can pile on Friday later. And we're gonna, but um, no, I mean it was not that one. Uh, yeah, it was just unfortunate. If he's playing a step back, he he probably catches the ball. It was it was just kind of the perfect the perfect. Uh, I mean, you you couldn't hit that ball again if he tried, right? I no, mean, it, it was, was just... it was crazy. I mean, sixty three miles an hour. Um, at that point, I didn't go back and check this, but somebody tweeted it out at the time, and I checked it at the time. That um, the two batted balls that scored the run to tie it were the second and fourth softest, not hardest, softest hit balls of the game on either side at that point, mm-hmm. and they combined yeah. to score the fourth run for the Cardinals, which is just incredibly on brand by all parties. The Cardinals voodoo for, magic, yeah, exactly. The Braves yep. non voodoo magic. I um, mean, if there's any justice in this world, the Braves are going to have like nine bloop doubles down the line in Game Five and and win by eight runs because they deserve, I mean, seriously, how many little blue pits are broken? I mean, just off the top of my head, I can think of three broken bat doubles for the Cardinals in this series. That's a lot. I mean, we, we did acknowledge earlier on the podcast, the Dansby's double off the bag was lucky. So it wasn't just like, it wasn't just the Cardinals, but the Cardinals definitely have, have definitely have more of them in this series yeah. by a, a pretty, pretty substantial margin. So yes, Shane Green blew the lead. If you want to put that in, just plain terms, but I, I have a hard time talking about how bad Shane Green was in this game. He was not, he was not bad in this game. No. He just no. got unlucky, which it's, it happens. It's baseball. That's, you know, weird stuff happens, but um, you know, there you go. So at the end of the eighth inning, it's four to four. You're still feeling all right. Games, games in the balance, but not feeling, uh, you know, as good. But then Ronnie leads off with a double and it's like, all right, here we go. Ronnie leads off with a double in a tie game. At that moment in time, the Braves are a fairly substantial favorite to win this game because the run expectancy for the meat of the like the meat of the order, the heart of the order, with a man on second base and no outs, a fast runner on second base and no outs, is pretty high. You're supposed to get a run there. You just are. Yeah. Not every time, but more often than not, you score a run there. Mm-hmm. And uh, from there, we know what happened. Ozzy pops out uh, his second his second unfortunate. Played appearance in this game, and Ozzy, by the way, gets the pass because he homered, and he should, because <laughs> Ozzy yeah. homered in this game. But he also he, he was not, you know, we're, we're going to talk about Freeman a lot. Ozzy had two really bad at bats at bad times too. He just happened to homer as well, so we don't care necessarily as much. But yeah, Ozzy had two rough moments too. But uh, Freddie then grounds out. 
Um, so I guess he did his did slightly his job because he moved the runner, but that was yeah. not a great at bat. No, and even and even if I mean we're gonna like you said we've been piling on Freddie. I mean he did hit his ball. I mean it was a grounder. Don't get me wrong, but it was hit decently well. It was just right at the second baseman in the shift. So that was his that was his best bat of the night. <laughs> yeah, truly. I mean it was, and like you said, if if who knows if if Ozzy does his job and and Acuna standing on third and he hits a, a sharp grounder at the second baseman, who knows how it plays out differently? But yeah, that, like, that might that, that might have got the run home if Ozzy had done his job. But yeah, it didn't work out. Donaldson, same thing, and uh, Ronnie staying on second base with another another wasted opportunity. It wasn't as jarring as the seventh inning one was because a leadoff triple is better than a leadoff double. You know, simple things there. Yeah. But um, man, you got to score there in a tie game. And I think, at least for me, maybe it's my fatalism. But as soon as they didn't score there, I'm thinking, all right, they're losing this game. Um, yeah, I, I mean that was that was the third time in four innings that they had a prime scoring opportunity and didn't take advantage. I mean and they, they loaded the bases. Better. They loaded this. They, they loaded the bases in two straight innings. In the sixth, it wasn't as freakish, but they loaded the bases still. Seventh inning, they sh- absolutely should have scored. That was the one. And then the eighth, um, the eighth they didn't, but the ninth, you know, yeah. not, they didn't load the bases, but they had a guy in second base, and no outs. Like you just you got to score a run, get one run. All you. I mean, do you have any idea how unlikely it is to not score a run in, in all three of those situations? Yeah. Like, it's, it's especially with, like, again, guys you want at the plate. Freddie, Freddie for sure. Ozzy for sure. Like, I don't know. It's just brutal. Um, you know, there was some faint hope, though. They didn't, they did not lose in the bottom of the ninth, which I thought was going to happen because Tommy oh. had been singles. Oh. And I'm thinking, all right, yeah. this is over. Um, they got DeYoung to fly out. And honestly, it should have been, should have been double play. Um, it didn't end up burning them. Marcakis, um, he, what, what do you? Okay, let's stop right now. What did you make of the throw? <laughs> I, 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 I personally, and I tweeted this out. Yeah, I don't think it was all him. I think Fre- I, I couldn't figure out why Freddie was on, was on, on on the wrong side of the bag. Like that was yeah. bad from Freddie. Um, but there was some division on the throw. I thought in the moment everyone was going to agree it wasn't a very good throw, but then there were some typical. Uh, zealous defenders of the throw so what did you make would you did you think it was i mean it was it obviously wasn't a terrible throw but what did you make of the throw no i mean it it wasn't a great throw it wasn't a terrible throw that's what i mean um (laughs) yeah i don't know if freddie had his his feet tangled up what was he doing but it's you know i mean it's it's he kind of let the ball play him instead of playing the ball and that's you know he was on the wrong side of the bag i mean it, it was just yeah that was a, and fortunately, I guess for all parties, they didn't score there. Um, so that wasn't the reason they lost by any means. Um, there was yeah. it was a, a zero run um, takeaway, but it was just kind of weird. Like Marquez doesn't have a great arm. We kind of all know that. Again, it wasn't a disastrous throw. I was more confused by what Freddie was doing, and I think that was just another notch in the belt of how bad Freddie was in this game. Yeah. Um, a smaller one, but still one that happened. But I wanted to at least ask you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Green did get out of it. Um, escapes after. Oh, by the way, Fowler rips what we thought was going to be a double down the line. Um, oh, I thought it was it. over. I was so close to turning off the TV, <laughs> and uh, mercifully went foul. But uh, yeah, that was the end of that. So as we said briefly in the tenth, you know they, they they flew out three straight times, which was maddening after what had happened pre- previously. No bad swings, just flyouts. I mean, nothing relatively harmless. A couple of balls that were hit reasonably hard just kind of didn't go where they needed to go, and there you go. Um. The final decision, okay, second to last decision that they made in this game was going to Tehran in the 10th. Now, in the moment, I candidly thought that Melanson was probably not available. We referenced this earlier, I think you did. Melanson pitched three out of four days and threw a lot of pitches in his first outing, and I thought Melanson was kind of unavailable. Um, But Snicker, after the game, said that their whole plan was to go to Julio until they were winning, and 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 then they were going to hand it to Melanson. Yeah. So that confuses me, because if Melanson is available, maybe this is just philosophical. If Melanson's available, he needs to pitch in the tenth against the heart of the order. That 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 would be my opinion. And in the moment, I just was assuming, maybe wrongly so, obviously at this point, that he wasn't available. But if he's available there, you want to extend the game. Like I, I get that Julio, you can throw him forever, but if you know in the tenth, you have what we have to consider be, to be a better option in Melanson in a one in a one inning sample, wouldn't you want him to pitch against the heart of the order for the Cardinals? Because that's what I would be doing if he was available. That's just Yeah. No, I mean I'm with you. Now I kind of see it 
in the moment. It's not I egregious, would, I don't think. Let no, and and I think you have to realistically see it as okay if you use Melanson in the tenth inning and the game is still going and you don't score in the eleventh and you bring on Julio, but then it all of a sudden. You truly have run out of pitchers yeah, at that it, point. I mean, right? it's Julio. It's Julio, and then basically, you might have an inning out of Fulte because they said earlier in the day before the game started that Fulte, it was his throw day, so maybe you can get an inning out of him. But yeah. that would have literally been it. Like you don't have, yeah, any truly. I mean, you you were out of you were out of options at that point. You burned Freed as a pinch runner, which is fine. I, mean, I but, guess so- I guess Julio could have thrown. I mean. Realistically, if they were treating, I assume they would have had Julio as much stretched out as he could have. Could he have thrown six innings? Uh, probably. I mean, they they probably. I mean, they would have had to. I, I don't know what else. I, I mean, mean eventually you have gonna... to pitch a position players, but I mean, I, I have to assume Julio hadn't pitched in a long time, which is worth pointing out. But I mean, Snicker said that he was going to pitch until they were winning. So what, I don't know. For me, I would rather run out of pitchers. And have Julio be the only guy I have left, yeah. then risk what happened in this game, and have Mark Melanson, who Snicker, you know, clearly believes is his best reliever, not pitch. Yeah, like that. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. I mean, I, and for me, <laughs> my guard would have been up on Melanson in this game, on you know day four out of five pitching, but if he's available, man, like I, I, I have to trust that he's better than Julio Tehran. So. I think the worst. I think the worst scenario in that spot is going is losing the game without Melanson pitching, and that's what happened. So yeah. I, I get I get what Snicker is saying, and again, it's not terrible. It's not indefensible by any means. I just that's how I would play it, and I know it, it probably sounds revisionist, but if you told me, I promise you, if you told me in the moment at the end of, between the ninth and the tenth, if you said, by the way, Melanson's available, I would say, okay, put him in. Like you just put him in, especially. Yeah. If Julio faced the bottom of the order, I would have understood it a little bit more. But we knew what was coming up. It was the guys who, the only guys who have done any damage in the series. Mm-hmm. It's just weird. No, I mean, truly, it was as soon as it happened. I mean, again, I don't want to hate on Julio too much. <laughs> it's he's not his fault. Enough of it. I mean, it is he, to some degree, but it's. <laughs> I mean, it is, but it's, you know, he, he was thrown into the heat of a game, had not pitched the entire series, hadn't made a, you know, made a competitive pitch in almost two weeks at this point. Like, it was not as if they brought in a you know a proven veteran reliever who hasn't pitched in three days and should be ready to rock. Like again, I don't want to make excuses because ultimately it was his you know he was the one who gave up the double and then and ultimately the the game winning uh, sack fly. But it was not optimal conditions all the way around, and and I think everyone kind of knew as soon as he came in, especially once um, Wong hit the double down the line, everyone kind of knew what was going to happen. Yeah, so he's a professional athlete, so there is some blame for Julio, but you know, I definitely do not want to put the loss on Julio. Like the offense is the reason they lost this game. They they blew the three opportunities. We talked about it ad nauseum. Um Julio would be, you know, seventh or eighth on the pecking order of reasons they lost this game. Um, yeah, I agree. So, you know, we've been critical of him at times. I'm I'm a little bit <laughs> You know, I don't love the way that they that the whole thing played out. We've been talking about it throughout the series, but for me, if you're going to have Julio on the roster, if you choose to have him on the roster, I, I, I don't I don't see how you get to the to the tenth inning of Game Four before he throws a pitch. That's just it's very weird to me. Um, I guess the argument against that would be you ha- at least you have someone who can throw five innings for you in, in an extra innings game, but if that's your whole plan to use Julio, like. I mean, that's not great. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, I could see all sides that we could probably just leave it there for now. But the last decision that we should at least bring up, they get the dribbler from from Ozuna and the force play at second. You have first and third one out, and they pitch to Molina. So I didn't have a huge problem with this in the moment, I have to say. But people, I think, rightly were pointing out that, you know, if you walk Molina, it's not really about Molina. It's about creating the out at any base. And because none of the other runs matter, it's just the guy at third, you might have the argument to open up the force play at home as a better outcome. And, you know, behind Molina, they had Carpenter, which is the reason why I would not have argued to walk Molina, is that you're now facing Tehran against Carpenter. I don't love that matchup. So what did you make of that? I was okay with it. Yeah, I mean, I always worry about, you know, intentionally loading the bases because of all of a sudden – 
you throw four balls or hit a batter with a pitch, the game's over, right? Yeah. So I'm kind of in the same boat. Now, if it was like, and, and because it's Matt Carpenter, who's a veteran and who is left-handed, obviously, um, you know, if it was like the pitcher who was coming up and it was, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, who was available at that point. Well, Paul, then, if it was Paul DeYoung or if it was, you know, Harrison someone who Bader, has been colder yeah. or, yeah, or Bader, some, a right-handed batter that it was not scalding hot. I would have probably argued for it. And Carpenter's been pretty bad this season, but he's still a lefty with a, with a, with a platoon split and someone that you probably can get to fly to hit a fly ball. So, you know, Molina, I, it stings a little bit more that it was Molina because everyone, you know, just the way that that plays all that all plays out, and he's just treated with this reverence by everyone. That just drives me insane. But, mm-hmm. um, you know. Not to defend Snicker, but I think that was that was fine. People were upset about it. I'm like, look, man, Molina, this is not this is not Molina from ten years ago. Like he's not a great hitter. He's just not. So it's okay. Yeah, yeah. There were there were many things that the Braves will look back on, and, and this isn't to say the series is over, right? I mean, it's not game five. You're going home. You have Fulty. Uh, you granted you're facing Flaherty, who was really good outside of one pitch on in game two, but this series isn't over. Um, if they end up do losing the series, though, I think this is the game that is really going to hurt because even game one, which they lost, it kind of felt like it could go either way. Both teams left a million runners on base. Um, granted that, you know, you, you lose Chris Martin injury, which was a freak thing, but, but this was truly the one game with all of the opportunities in one of those three or four innings. If you put one in the gap, the game's over. And instead of, you know, having this podcast tonight where you you know we're talking about something entirely different yeah um to wrap up this game before we we are going to look ahead and uh, as you said the series not over this there's still one more game to be played we'll talk about that in a second wrapping up this game though um i'm gonna read you some stats scott in game four the veteran duo of freddie freeman and brian mccann was 0 for 10 at the plate yeah now Brian McCann is not Freddie Freeman. Brian McCann is a role player at this point. He used to be a star. Brian McCann was a fantastic all-star level player for a long time. Now he's a role player, and I think he deserves some heat, to be sure, for as bad as he was in this game. But Brian McCann is a role player. And a role player going over 5 in a game is just not that big of a deal. Um, Freddie Freeman is is a star and the face of your franchise, essentially. So that one hurts more. Um... It's one game, so I want to say that out loud, that they went over 10 with no walks, just to say that they were really bad in this game, and they were sort of duking it out for a number one spot, I guess alongside maybe Keuchel, in terms of just like the most impactful negative in this game. Um, more stats, though, and I'm, I'm going to let you react. For the series now, this is four games. These are your veteran players, essentially. Uh, the, the, only guy who I, the only guy who I'm not listing here is Matt Joyce. He's just played a lot less. Same with Adam Duvall. Like, Joyce and Duvall have just played half the innings, basically, based on their role. So they don't have as many played appearances. But here are your four veterans in the series. Freddie Freeman is 2 for 16. Neymar Kakis is 3 for 17. Brian McCann is 2 for 13. And Josh Donaldson is 2 for 15. Now, all of them have at least one walk, so it's a little bit better than that, if you want to squint. But, um... You know, if you told me the, those four things were going to happen in this series, I'd probably tell you that, that that they're already done after four games. Yeah. So well, and it's it's not like those are homers either. I mean, these are Freddie hit a homer uh, and that was it. Like Freddie Freddie's phrase yep. was the I don't want to say meaningless because it wasn't. They, they they almost they almost came back in that game, but that was a desperation trailing bottom of the ninth home run. Yeah. And every other thing that's happened on all these guys, I think Dawson has a double. But McCann, yeah, Donaldson's double uh, was the tying run yesterday. And Marquez has has a has a quote unquote double, but it was the chopper double that was the luckiest thing imaginable. Yes, um, yeah. and McCann doubled, I think, in his first at bat of the series, actually, and in, into the gap. Um, oh but yeah, since then that. it's been. But I mean, truly, I mean, the fact that we're having to go back and credit these guys <laughs> yeah, for hits from three three days ago speaks volumes. I mean, I mean, Freddie hasn't shown up; he's really been bad. Um, Donaldson hasn't really received quite as much criticism as others. And maybe that's because he has a couple of RBI hits, but he does. And he, and he, he has two walks. He's the only guy who has two walks. So 
you know, he's reached base four times in 17 plate appearances, which is still bad, but it isn't as bad. And he also yeah. has a few, de- he also has a few defensive plays. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that he'd be getting more heat if not for Freddie, but Freddie being so bad has taken that away from him. And I think justifiably yeah. so because Freddie's been worse. Yeah. And as you said, you know, you know, I, McCann, he's batting a little bit lower in the order. It's not, it's not what you want. And really, as long as Mac is kind of controlling the game and, and working well with the pitchers, which he's done a nice job of. Yep. Um, but, and then Marcakis, I mean, we, we could beat that dead horse oh. a little bit more. Um, it, I mean, I tweeted earlier, he has looked every single day of 36 years old in this series. I mean, he has been honestly, he should be, terrible. he should be absolutely thrilled that Freddie's been so bad because yeah. not that he would get criticism because he doesn't get criticism. Um, that's just what happens uh, unless you're talking about people like us. Um, I did. I do find it striking, and I tweeted this, and I'm just going to present it, and then I'll leave it here. I was really interested to see how Freddie was going to be covered tonight. He got a little. He got a little bit more heat than I thought he was going to. But um, can we just say if if Ronald if Ronald Acuna was two for sixteen in this series, it would be the end of humanity. Oh, they they'd be calling to trade him. I mean, truly, it's. And again, I don't want to start, you know, bashing the local media members, but it's been bad. I mean, it really has. Um, it's not only but, them, though. I mean, but even even nationally, I I don't think that, you know, he would just get, you know, Freddie, Freddie's not getting a pass fully, but I, I think it's fair to point out that he, yeah. you know, he gets more of a leash than some guys would, including Ronald. Um, yeah. And by yeah. the way, Ronald, I have a couple more stats. I don't, I don't even think I put put these on the document, so you don't even know these so far. I asked him Ronald Acuna stats for you. Scott. Okay. All right. Ronald Acuna in this game today was four was four for five. He did not score a run. Four for five did not score a run, and that included two uh, you know two the two extra base hits, including the ones we talked about a lot. That's that's hard to do. Four for five not scoring a run when you have two extra base hits is tough. Yeah. The Braves had eight hits in this game. Acuna had four of them. That's half. The Braves had four extra base hits. Acuna had two of them. Hmm. Uh he, I believe now in the series, yeah, I have it in front of me. In the series, Ronald Acuna has a 1579 OPS. God, he's such a stud. He's slugging 1,000 in the NLDS. <laughs> That's unreal. Uh, so yeah. those are just a few. And he, had a, and he had a single that was about a foot away from being a homer. Well, yeah, not, not, to, not to belabor that point, but yes. Um, Why? Yeah, what happened? Yeah, um. something happened there. But no, listen, <laughs> yeah. it's. I know that they lost this game and it's not the time for it, but he's been incredible in this series. Um, So let me me ask you this. All right. And I didn't, this uh isn't our little doc. Would you change up the lineup for game five? Would you move Dansby up? Who's been maybe the second best hitter? Would you, do you start Duvall? Do you, I mean, you, we all know that Freddie isn't getting moved, but would you manage your breath? I mean, the only thing that I would, and I would have done this already. I would, if you okay, here's the here's I don't know. I think I would not start McCann. That would be the number one thing I wouldn't that I wouldn't do is start McCann, which might seem off the beaten path. But I'm I'm actually kind of stunned that he started all four games. Me too. No, that's I the, mean that's the only Flowers, surprise for me, really. Yeah. Other than one inning, Flowers has like been non-existent, which I'm surprised by. I mean, they they clearly soured on flowers a bit this year you know his bat wasn't great and then he had the pass ball stuff so i i I totally get that to some degree but you also have cervelli who's like a good player like he doesn't have to be flowers i think it probably would be flowers but mccann's i would have lost money betting against mccann starting all five games if he starts all five games yeah me too Um, i'm truly surprised by that i mean i know i know it's the cardinals and i I understand the Cardinals have right hand starting pitchers every night so maybe that's part of it or most of it but uh yeah just a lot you know, lineup-wise, I don't love lineup as it is anyway. I personally would have split Marquecas and Joyce at some point anyway in terms of, you know, put Dansby up there or do whatever. Like, I, I would not have gone three straight lefties in that spot the whole series. So, if nothing else, I would go Dansby sixth or seventh in the lineup. I think him, I think him hitting eighth right now doesn't feel right to me with the way that he's looked. In the no, series. He's, I mean, then, he's the only guy hitting the ball other than Acuna. Yeah, I mean, Albies had the home run today. I pointed this out, I think, just quickly and quietly before the series started, but it is worth at least thinking about, you know, Ozzy Albies against a team facing a bunch of right-handed pitching is not good enough to be a number two hole hitter. 
Like, Ozzy Albies has a sharp platoon split. He's a pretty average hitter. Actually, he might even be a little bit slightly below average against right-handed pitching. So, if you're trying to be nitpicky, that doesn't great, necessarily. But he's been fine in the series. I mean, he's not been outstanding. But he's made, he's made, he's made a few plays. Like, his OPS for the series is like 750, which is not anything to write home about. But it's not a disaster either compared to everybody else who looks pretty good, other than Acuna. Uh, lineup-wise, I mean, we know Freddie's... By the way, I wouldn't move Freddie. I know Freddie's been terrible. That might be controversial. People were talking about him hitting like seventh. It's like, stop. That's not going to happen. No way. Yeah, that's not happening. I mean, we know it's not going to happen, period, but I, I also wouldn't do it. Like, if it was me, Freddie's not going to hit below where he is now. Like, I, I'm, I've long been on the train of Freddie hitting second, which, so if they did that, then I'd be fine, but he'll never do that either. So, I think the only thing that I would definitely change is Dan's be hitting higher in the lineup. And then below that, I would probably not start McCann. He's just been so bad. It, it yeah. looks bad, too. It's not just like, he's not getting bad bipped. He just, he looks bad to me. So, I don't know. What about you? I, I mean, we have to say, and by the way, I should have said this before. We are very pro Matt Joyce. He's been bad in this series, too. Like, he's been bad. So, he does not absolved. He just doesn't have as many plate appearances as some of the other guys do but he's been yeah. bad. So No, I mean, truly, it's been... It's if they want to start Duvall, I'll be okay with it. I mean, it, Duvall yeah. goes against the... Like, you know, I'm a big proponent of those guys having real sharp splits, particularly Joyce, but you will not hear an argument from me if you want to start Duvall over Joyce or yeah. Marquecas. And it's not going to be Marquecas. I'm just trying to be... I'm trying to be realistic and just know for 100% certainty that he's going to start Marquecas on Wednesday. We all know he's going to. So, yeah, let's try to be a little, a little bit realistic and say... I mean, would you start Duvall? I'm, I'd be okay with that. I, I'm yeah, not like I, a... I wouldn't be stunned if Duvall starts over Joyce. I mean, especially as quick as they they pulled him yeah. today. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised. And yeah, I mean, I'd love to get Dansby up a little higher. I mean, even moving him up a spot, break up the lefties a little bit, get him in front of McCann. I think uh, I hit him sixth. I mean, yeah. if, they, if if they stayed with the exact same guys, which again I, I don't necessarily love, but if they did that, I would hit him. I'd hit Dansby sixth. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. That seems reasonable to me. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, the The disadvantage between now and Wednesday is that we don't have as much information. You know, normally when, the, you know, the last couple of games, we've known a lot of what's going to happen the next day. But now there's a full day off and they have to travel. We do know that it's going to be faulty. Um, there was a one-word answer, by the way. Snicker was asked who the pitcher was for, for on Game 5, and he just said faulty. That was the full answer. So... It's faulty. Uh, no surprise there. Obviously, that was a that was a given once they pitched Keuchel today. Um, you want to look ahead, or you have any any, any final thoughts on what's happened no. so far? No, it was a frustrating loss to be sure. Maddening. Um, all right, so setting the stage in a way that only I can. Um, the Braves now have the following stats going against them. They have now lost six straight games in the playoffs with a chance to eliminate an opponent. Six straight games, 0-6. They are also 0-5 in their last five elimination games, where they are facing elimination. So they have to break those streaks in order to win. Um, and of course, they have not won a playoff series in 18 years, which is the biggest one we've been talking about the whole series. So all that to say, all the bad stuff, I still believe right now today, 12.40 a.m., Tuesday morning, Eastern Time, that the Braves are better than the Cardinals. I believe that. I believe I believe the I believe the Braves are better. Do I think Fulty is better than Flaherty? No, but I think Fulty, with what we saw the other night, is capable of pitching as well or better than Flaherty is in a one game in a one game sample. So, if you, if I told you Scott that the Braves are better than the Cardinals, maybe you don't agree with that, but if, for my scenario, the Braves are better. They have a starting pitcher that is capable of pitching. Lights out baseball. We just saw that a few days ago, and they're at home. Why can't they win? No, um, I mean, I again, I don't want to. <laughs> I, I I thought the Braves were going to win this series in five from the very beginning, and I don't want to act like I was. You're you a know, genius, Thomas. Right? Yeah, sure. Uh, we'll we'll see we'll how see. how it is in forty eight hours. Um, but I, I did feel like these two teams were were pretty close and evenly matched, and really, it's been that way. I mean, you look at this series, game one. Braves probably should have won. Bullpen collapses late. Cardinals win. Yep. Game two is the only game in the series where one team led wire to wire, I believe. And that is correct. 
even then, it was one nothing until the seventh inning for Adam Duvall, and the Cardinals got the tying run at the plate in the ninth. It wasn't like it was this ten nothing blowout where, mm-hmm. you know, they were pulling guys for you know to give Josh Donaldson a couple innings of rest. Um, game three was fortunate, honestly. Game three, you know, that Adam Wainwright and Soroka match uh, basically are perfect for seven innings, and if it's not for the Braves' big comeback in the ninth, which was uh, really impressive, um, that you know the if this was a Cardinals podcast, we'd probably be talking about how game three got away from them. Right. Um, so, and then today I would argue the, the Braves were the better team. They should have been able to score some of those runs and, and they didn't. So um, it's every game has been close. It's, it's really felt pretty evenly matched. I do agree. I think top to bottom one to 25, the Braves have the better roster, but you know, as, as these things go, you're just one uh, broken bat double down the line away from, from either advancing or going home. Yeah. Um, and just to set the stage a little bit, you know, right now it's very early. It's Tuesday morning or Wednesday, Monday night, whatever it is. Um, and basically all the betting markets have the Braves and Carlos as a, as a literal coin flip, essentially, <laughs> um, on Wednesday, which is, uh, sounds about right, frankly, mm-hmm. because again, what I've said before, like, I think, I think Vegas believes the Braves are a little bit better than the Cardinals. But I also think, and actually, this this one I know, I know the market's going to think that Flaherty against Fulte is an advantage for the Cardinals. So that kind of balances out, and that's how you get to a coin flip scenario. So, and by the way, um, home teams are not as good as people think that, that that they are in this spot in baseball. I saw a stat mm. today. It's yeah. they're basically five hundred for like I the last it. like long. It's like a, it's like it's like a, it's like a hundred plus game sample, and, they're, and the home team's like five hundred. Yeah. So. That's a little thing, but it's also you might think that's just like this this big hammer advantage. You know, if you're a Braves fan, I, I was there in 2003. We talked about this earlier today. It's kind of funny. I tweeted out, you know, October 5th, October 5th, 2003 was a rough day because it was Game Five in LCS against Kerry Wood and the Cardinal and the and the Cubs. And I went to the Falcons game the same day, and they lost both, and it was not not a good day. But I, I just think about Game Fives at home, and uh, they haven't gone super well. So. <laughs> It's been a long so we're time. Due. We're, we're due is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, maybe they, optimistically, we're, we're due. That's a good point, Scott. Um, and Always Mr. Positive. If you, want to be, if you want to be optimistic, if you win, um, fortunately, you know, the Dodgers and Nationals are having to expend some energy to win their series. Whoever wins that series will be on level footing. Like, it's not like you're waiting for a team. It's not like you're playing a team that's been waiting for you that has their pitching set up and all this stuff. So if you win... The series, you know, you're in a probably better spot than we would have hoped next round. So, yeah, optimistically, I think you're in, you're still okay. I mean, today was brutal. No one would dare argue otherwise. I don't think. But um, you know, Freddie, man, this feels homery, and I'm not a homer, but I really think Freddie's gonna do something on Wednesday. I might be, I might be crazy. I might, I might be putting a lot of faith in Freddie Freeman, but you know, he. He flatly downplayed any notion that he's hurt, by the way. That was the thing. You know, people he was asking, it was a natural topic of conversation. And Freddie, I think to his credit, did not say that he was hurt. Maybe he is, but he said zero when asked how much it affected him. He said zero. So that's something that he probably should do, even if it's hurting him at this point in time. You don't want, you don't want to have the excuse. It just feels to me, it feels impossible to me that Freddie Freeman's going to go like two for 21 in the series. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you, I mean, I want to, bash freddie who's been just a star for this team for so many years but it really does feel like it if they end up losing this series without knowing what's going to happen in game five other than freddie having you know just a crazy game and a losing effort uh, it does kind of feel like people are going to look back and go what could have been if if freddie was his normal self and that's oh, not fair sure. because other guys have been haven't been great we talked about donaldson and the bullpen's been pretty shaky um but at the same time you know, if, if Freddie is even close to what he's done for so many years and isn't bad, I think we're having a different conversation. And that's the price of being the guy, too. I mean, that goes without saying and to some degree, but like when you're the guy, you get more heat. And there's this notion now, by the way, that Freddie's like this terrible playoff player, and that's not true. Like, no. he hasn't been incredible in the playoffs. That's worth pointing out. He had a really good, um, he, he had a really good wild card game in his first playoff appearance in the game that they lost to the Cardinals in 2012. Since then, he's been remarkably average. Like, his career his career OPS in the playoffs is like 800 
or, yeah. or maybe even less than that now after today. That's not great, but it's not disastrous either in the way that he has been the last few games. So, yeah, you're hoping that Freddie gives you something, and if not, he will be in the top three or four in terms of most negative value in the series. I mean, Melanson blowing the saving game one was still, as of like mid-game today, was still by far the number one negative win probability added guy because of just that one implosion that he had. And I think Keiko will be kind of up there based on his two starts. He wasn't great in either time, but he didn't kill you in game one. Like, he was competitive. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's... Freddie... Freddie being the GOAT would be so weird. Yeah. What might happen? It's, it's too bad. It's I mean, if he, if he is hurt, I mean, uh, obviously once, whether the, ser- the playoffs are over for the Braves on Wednesday or in another two weeks once the NLCS wraps up or in another three weeks when the World Series wraps up. Who knows? Um, I, I'm, I mean, it's just obvious that at some point it's going to come out what kind of injury he had. I'm guessing he will have some kind of surgical procedure done this winter, even if it's just a cleanup or something like that, um, because he's obviously had this bone spur for a while. And I don't want to get too far down the well or act like I'm Freddie Freeman's uh, doctor here. But at the same <laughs> time, he's clearly been wrong for about a month or maybe even six weeks now. And um, it, this seems more serious than just a, oh, yeah, my elbow kind of bugs me sometimes when I you know, do a weird swing or have to put weight on it. It is, I will say, and as someone who I've pointed out multiple times that I did not understand Freddie playing the three games and at the end of the season, it is worth noting that Freddie might be healthy. Not not healthy, but he might. it might just be that yeah. he's been bad. Hell like, of a time for the worst slump of his career. It yeah. might not be. I mean, I, I'm with you that I think the full month, like I think it's probably affecting him to some degree. But it's at least possible in this kind of sample that he is just not playing well. Like, and that's what he said. If you want to take him at his word, and I have some trouble with it to some degree on this one because he's just, I don't think he's in a position to say that he's hurt or whatever. But he might just be bad right now. And no, we'll see. it's possible. Yeah, it's possible. It's not always uh, black and white on this one, but I tend to agree with you. All right, before we get out of here, Scott, are you staying with your prediction? Braves and five? Oh, yeah. Yep, Braves and five. I'll say uh, I'm going to say Braves win. Oh, I'll say four to two. Braves win. I was doing pretty well with my predictions. I started doing predictions on Twitter before games the last uh, three, and today did not go as well um, as the other two. I picked wins in all three games. I'm going to pick another win. I mean, I'm on record. I, I can't, you know, as much as my defeatist attitude creeps in sometimes. I think the Braves are better. I just, I just do. So I can't. I can't not pick them in this game at home. I think they're the better team. Score-wise, they're going to need a score in this game, I think. I can't. You can't, in my opinion, expect Fulte to do what he did the other day. It's just not realistic. Is he capable of doing that again? Absolutely he is. He was lights out. He was incredible. But if, if you told me right now Fulte gave you five and two-thirds and two earned runs, I would take it. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that seems reasonable, especially as, I mean, yeah, you're right. He's not going to throw seven scoreless on I mean, eight might, pitches but again. I just, um, you just can't, you can't, you can't make on that. It's, it's just, that would like cement him all time. You know, I mean, that would, that would be, you talk about players you look back on in 20 years. If he, if he repeats what he did in game two, I think you, you kind of get him in that conversation, but um, it should be fun. I hope for the, I mean, obviously I hope the Braves win. It's, it's been a really super fun team all year long and it, it sucks because you know, only one team gets to hold the trophy at the end of the year. I think it will be the season as a whole be viewed as disappointment if they end up losing in the first round again. Um, but again, it's baseball as as we've seen. It literally just takes a broken bat double and a bloop single uh, over the first baseman's head to change a change a series. Man, I re- I just realized I was so close to nailing today's final score. I had Braves five three, and if if mm-hmm. if if they just score any of those runs. Like yep. any of those runs, they win 5-3 sometimes. There you go. So yeah. I'm feeling it right now. My prediction is strong, <laughs> Scott. I am going to say 7-7. Seven, seven, you heard me. 7-3. to three. All right. I would happily take a four-run. Like, when was the last time the Braves won a playoff game by four oh, runs? God, I don't even know. I was I was probably six years old. I'm, I'm <laughs> kidding about that, but man. But no, I mean, but you're not. Uh, it's been forever. <laughs> um, oh man. Well, uh, seven's probably too high uh, with Florida on the mound. But hey, I'm I'm sticking with it. I don't. None of, none of this matters. It's baseball. 
Yeah. I do believe they're going to win, though. I really do. So hold that against me later on. Podcast plan, by the way, as we record here. If the Braves lose, I I don't know what I'll be able to give you that night. We might take a day off and record Thursday. We'll see. Because um, I also have to do Hawk stuff, too. And we might just not be in the mental place to record a podcast if they lose. No, we, I probably won't be in the best mood. We will we will do a podcast within 24, 48 hours, win or lose, would be what I would say. Um, if they win, we have to turn around pretty fast because then they play Friday. And uh, either either in L.A. or home, I guess, the Nationals. That'd be wild. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that, that's the that's the next thing. We will have at least at least one more podcast about the playoffs, and hopefully many more podcasts about the playoffs. But at least one more, either Wednesday night or Thursday night. And uh, yeah, thank you, thank you for joining me, Scott. As always, we managed to do an hour podcast. You said you said, and I'm quoting, twenty minutes was what you expected on. <laughs> yeah, I was I was a little annoyed earlier on. We all were, I think. So, yeah. but now, uh, yeah, you go get some sleep. You had a long day, and yeah, it's only one a.m. Eastern. I have to be at work at seven. So yeah, we're good. Well, there you go. Atlanta traffic. You can leave at 4.30, be there on time. It's, it's a good old day. Oh. Shots from the non-Atlanta resident. That's um, there you go. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, thank you for listening. As always, please subscribe to the podcast because even if they lose, we will be back with off-season podcasts and all that fun stuff. That's sort of what I'm dreading to talk about right now. But this podcast does not cease regardless. So please hit the subscribe button. Tell a friend about the show. We will see you again win or lose but hopefully 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 win later on this week so thanks and stay tuned for that